Yo, so Listen. real fast, because this is the first time that I've used Zoom for real, for real. So each time someone talks, it like goes yeah, to you know, different gonna, screens. It, yeah. Okay, Which actually sick. saved me a ton of time, too, because, you know, I go back and I, I release some of the video clips from this. And I used yeah. to take three, two or three different, you know, uh, video files and then cut those so that they do what this is already doing. That's, yeah, I feel yeah. you. It's all that post-processing literally taken away. So that's pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I pretty much load this in. I just dub some of my audio over it just to make sure it sounds best. And yeah. then I get to cutting it up. And, yeah, no, it saved me a ton of time. Shout out, man. All right. So here we are, gentlemen. You know, I'll let y'all uh, take over from here, man, yeah, and lead yeah, the show. Man. Yeah. Trent, <laughs> how you how you doing, bro? I'm good. Tired. Yeah, me too. We, me and you both. I mean, I this is kind of rare for me, but it sounds like we both slept in a little later than we expected. I think it's the heat, dude. As soon as it gets <laughs> hot, I just get, like, lazy. Like... I'm just, I don't want to do nothing. Griselda, Griselda, by Fashion Rock. Yes. You are talking to the master of disaster. You are talking to the man that makes you feel bad in the morning. He is the man. He is the tall power. He is too sweet to be sour. He is the rap master. There is no other. There is no equal. The man that built the army. Let's get fucking like a Yes. New Music Monday podcast is back. Trent, Trent, give me a boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Still no soundboard in here. We're doing, we're doing solo. We're doing acoustic drops. Boom, boom, boom. Ah, ah. Give me another one of our famous drops, Trent. Uh, ain't even good. I ain't even gonna get let you get the chance. Stupid, stupid. Shout out six nine, six nine. Yeah, in honor, in honor of six nine. <laughs> free is a bird. Free, free, free is a rat bird. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Free is a pigeon. What's up? Yeah, we got some six nine drops. Usually, we got uh. Uh, geek goop nerd fuck. Now that we just let the world know you are a geek goop nerd fuck. He's a goop. He's a goop. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Still my favorite one. Yo, in case you don't know what we're doing, we we I had a soundboard. The soundboard disappeared last episode. We didn't know where it was, so we just had to do our own drops. Today we're doing our own drops. And I had an intro with some West Side Gun. But I got a second song to come in with, too. We was talking some Quaylay Chris last week, too. And I wanted to drop this in here because it's yeah. amazing. Oh. Yo, welcome to the New Music Monday podcast. Big City Boys, season four, episode 13. 13, like my favorite number. Because uh, my birthday is coming up in a couple days, May 13th. So this is a very special episode for the boy. So I want to welcome my gang. I'm going to introduce my homies right here. We on the Zoom call, telecommunicating. Not too far away, though. Homies been, like, in different states on the New Music Monday podcast. But we all from, we all living in Portland, but we staying socially distant. So 
Trent, how you doing? How's your day? I know you woke up a little late. What's up, man? That's all right. I woke up a little late. Got to go to work today. It's going to be hot. Not my, not my thing. <laughs> Me neither. Me not a hot weather person. It's been kind of a rough rough weekend for me i take like an adjustment period you know but the problem is i gotta go to work most days so i'm like long sleeves and covered up yeah so unless it's a day like today i'm not really enjoying the, the <laughs> as much or the the, the sunshine uh but I, but our guest is from is from california so this is more like how he likes it Derek, what's up what's going on y'all um peace and love man uh, doing our thing during the quarantine. Fortunately, low-key flex. I got some air conditioning. I'm chilling in the air conditioning right now, bro. So I'm living life, man. I am from California, but I moved to Portland because I love the rain. So this is not serving me either. That's right. That's right. You said that on the podcast last time. Like, this is kind of a nicer climate for you. I like seasons, man. You know, that nonstop summer. You know, that's for the birds, bro. Yeah. You can't appreciate the sun if you don't got the, 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 the shade. You got the, the rain, rain, bro. You can't appreciate the good times if you ain't got the pain. You know? That's what I'm talking about, bro. Yo, pure wisdom coming to the New Music Monday podcast today in the form of Derek G, our homie. Uh, another podcaster in our city. Another... Um, there's just another young man committed to thinking and committed to uh you know disseminating information as he sees it on his podcast on his writing platform uh you can check out the portland free thinkers club that could be on instagram anywhere you check out your podcast and whatnot as love, well bro, as love. daily depository right still going yes sir daily depository portland free thinkers club these are platforms where uh, we embrace questions rather than answers because sometimes the question is more important than the answer. Yes, it is. Uh, Word. Any any other projects you're working on that I missed right there? Right, right now that's it, man. I'm mainly prioritizing the podcast because that's, that allows me um, a platform in which I can like just speak my mind and be me. So you know, if people want to seek some enlightenment, you know, slide through to the club, join the club. But the writing is more. It's not necessarily about me. It's to feature, you know what I'm saying, like young dope cats like y'all and, you know, just people out here trying to make a difference in their community. So regardless of what we're doing, you know what I'm saying, spread that positivity. Okay. Bet. Well, you'll know where to find them. And as we continue on to this episode, because there's going to be some music talk. There's definitely going to be some music talk because that's what we do on the New Music Monday podcast. Uh, but we're hoping to shoot the shit a little bit if we got time and I think by, you know, uh, digesting just a conversation with us and with Derek, you know, I think you'll get what this guy's all about. And uh, if you like it, if you like what you hear, then we definitely suggest you go ahead and, and follow the boy over at, at D496. Uh, you can check him out with the Portland Free Thinkers Club and you can check him out at the Daily Depository. But we're going to talk a little bit of music. New Music Monday podcast, uh, BCB Dev, BCB PAX. Uh, we like to think we're the, the, the voice of the Northwest. Uh, we try to let y'all know what's happening here, but on a national scale as well. And um, we're ready to, to talk some music, even though it's been kind of a quiet week. Season four, episode 13. Um, again, like I said, I'm really excited about this episode. This is my birthday weekend, basically. My birthday is coming up in three days. Uh, I do have to go back to work on 
my birthday so it's you know this is kind of like my since i got a couple of days off this is my <laughs> this is my celebration uh more happy birthday dev are you a taurus taurus gang all day every day i'm telling you bro i tauruses are my favorite i get along so well with tauruses my brother you sarah not sarah lee one i sarah ballard yeah like i'm all my best friends are tauruses Where'd Trent go? <laughs> oh, Trent, Trent was just like eternally holding his glass of orange <laughs> juice up there for a sec. <laughs> but yes, for everybody listening, I'm a Taurus, Taurus gang. Wait, wait, what's your astrological sign, Derek? Do you know? I'm a Libra, dog. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm the most uh, prestigious of the astrological signs over here. What month is that? October for me, so I'm at the end of the at the Libra scale. Honestly, man, I don't. I'm not really. I don't dig into that stuff too yeah. much, but. <laughs> I do like, you know, it's the scales or whatever. Shout out balance. I'll take it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to like form. I know people like formulate their whole like existence around those like <laughs> descriptions and shit. I'm like, nah. But I do think it's like, fu- it's like funny to like find the little things that they say about you. But if I was talking to, you know, you remember Tucker Woldridge? Yeah. All right. He was, he was telling me like they apparently these like, uh astrology like blurbs and stuff they take just like the most general statements and whittle them down just enough so that you can be like oh yeah that is oh, me. Yeah. but really it's just like that's kind of everybody they know like, that? <laughs> yeah so kind of interesting but i do like i do like when they talk about like who you get along with though because yeah. i find that to be pretty true yeah like I, i'm a leo and they always say i get along with Pisces and taurus and it's like my parents are both Pisces. Like a couple of my friends and all my best friends are Tauruses. It's weird. I gotta uh yeah. I, I like it. I like it. I don't I don't know m- much about it beyond like my personal my personal astrological sign, but it's cool stuff. We had a whole cool uh conversation about that on the Kayla J episode. Yeah. Kind of a throwback, but we did that too. We were I, we were looking wow. shout out kayla yeah shout out to her man actually her album i'm sure y'all talked about it that last album she put out the dyke album that shit is ridiculous i love that album man that's an amazing album we had a lot of fun talking to her about that project and how she comes up with her music and you know how she comes up with her imagery we talked a lot about her album cover i love that that album cover has so many little symbols on it uh and she's kind of a long-term thinker like that so it's it's a cool project kayla j check her out uh on season two of the podcast i think and uh or season three actually it's season three yo real quick i don't mean to you know interrupt the the guidelines or whatnot dog i did want to ask you guys a question go ahead and, and, and i just want to ask about some artwork man because we may have talked about this the last time i was here but i think i've got a different perspective at this point so I just want to know, like, when y'all are looking at your music, right, you let you guys listen to a lot of different music from different people. So yeah. when you're browsing and perusing, how much do the intricacies and the little details on an artist, their artwork, you know, whether it's a single artwork or an album artwork, how much does that influence you to click on their music and play it? Like just the album artwork? Yeah, like literally saying like, you know, because let's say you're on Bandcamp and you're just going about a bunch of different projects. 
mm-hmm. the, the saturation is so oversaturated that there has to be something that allows you to kind of, you know, put your put your thumb on that, you know, little box yeah. and then open up that music. So yeah. how much does the details and the intricacies persuade you rather than, oh, this is just like a dope artist or whatever. It's just, yeah. you know, what does it for you guys? Trent, does a cat does a dope album art like catch your eye? Um, I don't know if it's like if it's like something that I if it's somebody I don't know, then sure, I guess it does. But I think actually it's like the flip more for me. Like if it's somebody that I'm like following all the time and like I really like and they put out a shitty album art, it makes me want to listen to the project less. But I don't know if like a really good art- artwork like really draws me in much more than like an average artwork as long as I'm like in the mood to listen to a certain kind of music. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dev? I think I give points to an album artwork being good or even take away points a little bit to an album artwork that I I think either doesn't look very aesthetically pleasing to me, so opinion, or mm-hmm. for some reason it doesn't really seem to reflect the music and the project well. I'd say that's kind of rare that I really like take notice to that sort of thing. Usually it's it's something that's just there, but there has been times where I feel like where I'm looking at the album cover and I'm realizing like this doesn't really add anything to the album when once I've actually listened to it. Um I feel it. I I was saying more just because to me I assign um I like detail and I like the, to know that you put in work into your project, right? I like to, a well-rounded, complete project. So for me, if you put in, let's say you put in a lot of money on your, on your work and the music sounds incredible, but your album cover is terrible. It's dog shit, terrible, right? Yeah. To me, that's like indicative of like, okay, well, you know, marketing is important. And if you don't care about your marketing, how much do you care about your music? And that's a, it's a weird perspective to look at it, but that's just something that like my, how my brain works is I, I say, you know, like, uh, do you know who Cleo soul, I might be messing up the name. It's like no. Cleo soul or Cleo. Soul. she's like this R and B type artist. Um, but she's pretty popular, but she, her stuff's on Bandcamp, and uh, her album cover was just a picture of her face. And <laughs> I wasn't too impressed. Not like I'm hating, but yeah. you know, it just wasn't, I was like, okay, this is going to be another regular project. I listened to it amazing i'd actually heard her before she's way more popular than i thought but that was one of those misconceptions that i got from the album artwork you know what i'm saying so that's just why i asked is because it it interests me um because sometimes you know like this uh you know this chris the chris brown and young thug mixtape cover is a little odd i didn't really like it but the music is good so you know i digress yeah i gotta look at that again i feel like a lot of the chris brown stuff he's been doing like he may have even done this himself I'm like that's what I'm talking about. More likely, (laughs) this is probably something that he drew. Um, Yeah, but yeah, when I look at an album, I do look at like the overall artistic experience and the (laughs) overall artistic effort. And I think since we're we're talking about art and it's music versus you know, there's some imagery to go along with the music. Um, that we're just talking about different forms of art, but you're really trying to give me an overall artistic experience. And the fact that everybody has, everybody traditionally does an album art with their music, I think yeah. gives it a pretty like one-to-one, like I can compare music, I can compare album arts. And, you know, it's something I feel fair like judging an artist on because everybody seems to provide some sort of visual inclusion with their with their audio project uh, yeah man you know it's kind of like currency i just use him as an example because i think he spends like a, like 
more money than probably most people on his album artworks. And I like to consider it a vibe package. You know what I'm saying? Like you're literally saying from the moment you set your eyes on this, it's a vibe. You know, like if he puts out his Hot Summer Nights album or, Mm -hmm. you know, Hot August Nights or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, of course, I love when an album cover is like really does depict what I then will hear, you know, Mm -hmm. that's important in the mind of an artist, someone that can, you know, transmute their ideas into different, different capacities. So when, you know, the videos come out and, you know, then they have a, a motion visual, then that's another level of, okay, how creative is this person or the people around them that are helping them? Yeah, I think it all matters. And I think as we continue to progress into the world of music, uh, I, I'm just talking about like th- through this decade and in the future that, you know, that overall artistic experience is going to matter even more. I think people are just going to find more ways to uh, really make the images matter to you with the music. Uh, because even now, you know, on Spotify, if you're listening to music, a lot of times you see some sort of motion graphic yeah. on there and stuff too to help you kind of like vis- visualize the song. And I mean, how could we not be just continuing to go in that direction more? Bro, the next step is is a whole interactive, immersive experience. Like, that's where I think we're going. Like, music will no longer just be something that you just tap a button on your phone and the music comes up. I think it'll be like Oculus Quest of music. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're literally going to watch. This is Travis Scott's going to be the first guy to do it. He's oh, going to sure. release an album that you got to, like, literally walk through with an Oculus Rift or something like that. Well, I, I didn't like tune in on Twitch to see it, but I saw some of the highlights of his performance, his uh-huh. Fortnite performance. And I was, to me, once I saw that, I I just knew at that moment, I said, Travis Scott is 10 steps ahead of the rest of his, of, of the field. <laughs> he is because he understands that, first off, this is like right during the quarantine stuff, right? Like this is like right after it had happened. So he knew everybody, all the kids were at home playing Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And he did something that will endear him to a literally entire generation of kids, man, yeah. like, he is like on the on the marketing side, on just the innovative side. He's like the Michael Jordan right now, dog. He is killing it for real. It's all about I, I, I give Travis a lot of credit for like his commitment to the show or something like yeah. that. So when it comes to his uh, his concerts, you know, it's like he's pouring money into like the set of the stage. And, you know, every all that stuff matters to him more, you it's know, an experience, and, man, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's not Drake level, but he's one of the few artists that's even like coming close or sniffing that level of fame and recognition that is going the lengths, the artistic lengths that he is going to, mm-hmm. I think. Um, there's not a lot of people in his caliber popularity wise that are that committed to the artistic experience. I'm gonna turn on Nav. Let's talk Nav. Uh-oh. Let's do it. Now, nah, I will tell you. Well, let, let's ask this question. Prior to today, prior to coming to the New Music Monday podcast, season four, episode 13, your experiences with Nav have been what? Trent or Derek Go? Trent, you go first. Uh, like, minute by choice. I don't know. <laughs> like, a couple I, I, times, I want, just I, like, kind of like, okay, what's who, who is this guy? Well, I just, like, don't really want anything to do with him, but... Well, what made you not want anything to do with him? Uh, honestly, like, the few things... He's just, like, a... To me, he's, like, a less 
interesting version of what a French Montana is, which is like somebody who pops up everywhere, but like I've never delved into their catalog just on my own. Okay. But not to say that I like, I kind of like French Montana in doses or like with the right feature. Yeah. And actually that's kind of what I found out about now. Like I, in with the right features, I don't mind him, but I'm not going to like, I'm not bad to sit here and be like, yo, this album's fire. <laughs> if it was just an album of just the features, it'd be pretty fire actually. <laughs> It would be. It would be. Um, yeah, so I am kind of... This, like, I've never listened to a full NAV project. No. You definitely couldn't have caught me doing that. But, you know, this week wasn't, like, a crazy music week. So I thought, why not take a flyer on this? And it was this intro that, that got me into it. Uh, and then as we get into the album a little bit more, there's some things I like about it. But, but Derek, have you listen to a full nav album before or what so when i got the prompt that said you know we listening to nav i said okay i've heard of the name before so i went and i checked it out and i I got the album and i'm listening and first off i got a couple things to break down regarding on what trent said man so i think what we just witnessed right now was the equivalent of you know when you in sports y'all y'all sports fans right yeah so you in nba or nfl and you'll say like um, it's this white dude and he's about to enter the league and they do uh, player comparisons. Yeah. And and the white dude is always going to get compared to a, uh, you Another know, white Larry dude. Bird or, a, <laughs> you know, yeah, to whatever the white player is. So <laughs> when you did the Nav, the Nav French Montana dog. So first off, I thought Nav, I thought he was black, but I guess not. This dude is. Uh, I think he's Indian. So whatever, you know, some some Middle Eastern type, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was like, okay, well, you putting on, you know, shout out to the brown boy. I think yeah. that's his <laughs> nickname, is the brown, the brown boy. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I thought that was just funny. It's, you know, I ain't talking shit, but uh, I think that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know who this guy was before. And once I started listening to the sound, I'll be honest, this is not my preferred sound. Sure. However, um, I do think that, like, Trent's right. If you just list up these features and you look at, the impact of the features on the track first off you know that's a pretty pretty banging little album just on the features alone yeah but you know it's a lot of drug talk you know it's just drug talk it's high-pitched auto-tune drug talk so you know i'd I'd rather listen to some uh uh so what's the griselda boys or whatever you know what i'm saying if i'm trying to get that type of content because that's essentially what i'm hearing from this album is a bunch of drug talk and i made it cool to be brown which i don't think (laughs) he was the first to do so but i shout out man anyways yeah um very interesting 18 songs cut up into 49 minutes of music um which is kind of a lot it makes you feel like the album is a little longer than it is uh, but it's full of short ideas. Yeah, Nav to me prior to this project was like I only knew him for making the most mind-numbingly average or bland music. But I'm thinking this is kind of maybe just like a bit of an anomaly of a record for him. I think this is pretty great. I think, uh, and I'm 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 sort of grading it with again the mindset of like. I've always had such a low bar set for this guy that the fact that it was passed over is actually pretty impressive. But it really just comes down to a list of songs that I enjoy and an album that, uh, while it's not perfect, I think he just kind of keeps this really even keel 
you know, like pace to it the whole time. So this album is, I think, an easy listening experience for me. Like it's easy for me to turn on and to have on. Again, I'm just lending way more praise to a NAB album than I ever thought I would. So this is this is kind of blowing my mind a little bit. But I think even if even if you know you don't necessarily like the Nav, you know his lyricism or some of his, you know, some of the bars are very mediocre on this on this project. But even if you don't like that man, I thought the production was actually pretty on hit. You know and that's saying? exactly where I want to get to, like the um, the overall sound to this is actually really impressive. And I think when you think about it, not as a Nav album, but you think about these albums that have been coming out. That have it's like a secret society of albums that are gonna have Young Thug, Future, Travis Scott, Gunna, Lil Uzi Vert, and Don Tolliver and Lil Durk on them. Like we've heard several projects this year, like with the Lil Uzi Vert stuff, Damn, and Daniel, last right? year with yeah, I'm still here. the um, like Young Thug project. Usually or, I'm the one that cuts out. <laughs> right, well, um, like there's still, a, or even still, like Die Lit you know, with Playboy man. Cardi. What, what were your thoughts, dog? You know what I'm saying? Like even let's just no, talk about I, the the features though. You know what I'm saying? Damn. Yo, what's um, up? No, he's, oh, he's back. Oh, he's <laughs> so back. that was y'all, and then I went out. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Well, I caught most of what I was saying there. Um, well, I was gonna say that I'm like it's. I guess my my main intent. I, I totally did just like compare like a Moroccan guy to an, <laughs> to an Indian dude, but that's not what that wasn't my intention. My main comparison there was like I feel like it's one of those artists that it's not quite an industry plant because they do have a lot of coast cosines, but that really is their like what what have they done other than that? They're big. They're just big cosines. Like they got they got Diddy like. Montana got Diddy to co-sign and Rick Ross to co-sign and all these guys to co-sign without really doing all that much that was that impressive. And then Nav has got like Doug, Uzi, Travis, without all doing that much impressive. Like I just, I, but as far as this album goes, like I think it's listenable. There's like a stretch of like four songs towards the end that I'm like, that don't have any features. That I'm like, yeah, I could. You could probably yeah, cut that whole stretch out. I, would, I wouldn't stretch, even notice. Yeah. So it's I, funny you say that because I, I felt the same exact way about kind of the end. But I do think that the features, you know, they did something that was crafty as hell on this one. And this is what I think happened. Oh, yeah. I think the features, what they did is they used this as an opportunity for their own stepping stone. Because I thought that the features, what they did is they made me forget about Nav and just be like, yeah. oh, this is like, you know, like pop, pop smoke, you know. Yeah. Um, like, I was like, oh, this is an amazing tr uh, beat, you know what I'm saying, for a Pop Smoke verse, you know what I'm saying? When Dirk got on there, Lil Dirk, I was like, oh, this I like is the like, Dirk this song. is I've been liking set up. Lately. Yeah, it set up these cats perfectly. So I felt like it was more like he set up his features more than he set up himself personally. So he, yeah, so. Who is Pro Logic? I've never heard of this dude, but he's produced like every track on this shit. Oh, there's only one producer for all these songs? No, well, mustard, well, mustard's on one of them. Mustard's on one, Wheezy's on one, but most of them are produced by this dude, Pro Logic. But I've never heard it. Again, they've just created this perfect contemporary sound <laughs> yeah. that's on par with everything else out there that you hear. I guess and my my like main uh, takeaway is like, I like you said, I'm impressed with the album. I'm not that impressed with Nav like himself. <laughs> like but 
as I far as the couple- album goes. He, he put out a pretty good album. It's yeah. Like, there's a couple of hitters on it, but I just, like, <clears throat> like I said, if you were to just take most of these tracks that don't have a feature or don't have, like, the most dynamic production on it and just cut it down, it's 18 songs, cut it down to, like, 14, 13, 14. It'd probably be a probably be an even better album. If this was like a thirteen, if this was like a thirteen, fourteen song project that rounded out at about like forty one minutes or thirty eight minutes, yeah, then I might don't be able to get any of the features out though. Yeah, even don't take Travis, the features even out. The Travis, don't take the features. Even the Travis Scott feature, which I'm not a. As far as Travis Scott features go, I have never been like that blown away with a Travis Scott feature. I mean, I'm probably saying this without like racking my brain, but he's just not like he's great when he's when it's his song and there's other features on it. Yep. Like I love that. But as far as him on other people's tracks, I'm not like crazy about. But even that that Turk song with Gunna and Travis Scott, mm. that's probably one of my favorite songs on this thing. Yeah, my favorite and songs like, were the intro. Some have features. Some even like of my like my favorite song on here is the Saint Laurent song uh, halfway through here that ha- doesn't have a feature. Me too, man. That's I, that's probably Saint Laurent and that run it up with Pop Smoke. I say those are my favorite. Yeah, on, on those joint. are great. And again, I can't be too impressed with Nav because I'm thinking about that hook and why I like that hook so much. It's literally because of some guy, some engineer, just like pitched his vocals all the way up. Dude. And then pitched his vocals all the way down. <laughs> and way, I'm like, oh, way vibey. It was a so way vibey, spacey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I give more credit to someone like a, a young thug uh, because of what, yeah, I think he's a complete another level with what he can actually do with his own voice. Um, but I think about a Playboy Cardi and I'm like, you know, this is kind of like, this is kind of like the same shit, but you know, Playboy Cardi's got a baby voice and, and we just kind of rocking with that right now. I'll tell you one one thing you don't you can't discount on this man because this is actually what put me over the edge to actually be like you know what this is tight I give it four point five out of five stars for the album art for this Nav project this Scarface vibes baby I do I do like cool. I do like the album art cool, the yeah. font that he used for this in the Bad Habits albums that like that mm-hmm. little like gothic looking font yeah, with the art that shit's fire that's that hard shit's fire. yeah that's the one thing that's pissed me off the most about Nav actually is. His album covers have been pretty dope, like yeah. since he came in. Yeah. <laughs> like ones that make me want to listen. That's I guess that's all we got on Nav. Um, again, just more impressed with it than I thought I probably would have ever been with a Nav project, and that seems to be the general consensus here. So check that out if you got if you got some time and patience for it. Uh, but we also wanted to get into this podcast talking about Kehlani. I think is probably the well. Is Nav a bigger artist than Kehlani? What? I say no. Yeah, let's talk about that. Is Nav a bigger artist than Kehlani is? We can go the streaming route, and we can go the just like what people think of you route. Like I said, man, Nav has some crazy cosigns. Yeah, like he like, signed to EXO. He signed to EXO, so he's already got like that whole weekend camp behind him. And then he's got, he's always featured on Travis Scott's projects. He's, he's always on everybody's f- projects. He's on the Young Thug, he's on the Lil Uzi, he's on, yeah. The, yeah, everybody that's on this project, he's on their project. Yeah. I don't know if like his, his like solo, you know, persona is bigger than Kehlani's because Kehlani got like all the 
you know, all the ladies behind her. Like, everybody loves Kehlani. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know anybody who just, like, hates Kehlani. But it's like, I know a few people who just would never listen to an app project. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'd say Nav's have... probably... I'd say Nav's probably bigger. Probably the bigger just... streaming artist because... Or the biggest, bigger numbers artist because of... He's just that trap sound that is popular right now. Like, he's literally, yeah. like, the manifestation of it. Yeah. I think by nature of just, like, running with the camp he runs with, he's kind of bigger. Like, right. he's always right. He's always at festivals. He's always, you know, the opener for, like, The weekend and, and Doug and stuff. So, like... Uh, right. Because... I can see it, that. It has, a, has a project with Metro Boomin it's from 2017 that was, like... The, he was, like, the biggest producer in 2017. Yes. Nav has got to be the most shoved down your throat artist <laughs> of the past, yeah. however many years. Uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. But I, we do got to give you know Kaylani some credit in that you know she has yeah. some big songs and she has some songs that do well on streaming. She has. A, I just think like Nav's got a lot of those singles that are just good because it just kind of sounds like a lot of what's good out right. there right now on the radio quote unquote but what if we talk context a little bit right because i agree with what you're saying in terms of who this cat is running with and you know just literally being a streaming machine right but if you're looking at context and then Kaylani, even though she is r&b to an extent it's kind of pop music still it's still in that pop category right so if you're looking at who is absolutely running up numbers in the pop categories just on these features she got tori lanes janae uh aiko and masego mm-hmm. and if you're talking about like who is absolutely killing it in their own perspective lanes right now like it's hard to name three that are killing it more than those mm-hmm. and to have i don't know who lucky day is oh, he's I, nice. yeah he, that's the best fire. project though He's pretty fire. But the the last one, though, the last feature that I thought it was a missed opportunity, I felt I thought a couple of the features were missed opportunities. However, the James, the James Blake feature, like, bro, that's that's big. That is huge. That is big. And I'll say the difference, I think, between how people are playing Nav's album versus Kehlani's album is people are playing Nav's album, but Kehlani's album is on repeat in everybody's house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And her bigger songs, her, her bigger songs, like, of her career so far, she's got like these anthems like I feel like she's got this music that is like uh, really identifiable like Mm -hmm. within oneself and um, yeah I feel like fans of Kehlani are huge fans of Kehlani I feel like she really she's more relatable right girl from Oakland hella tattoos you know what I'm saying doesn't really preach like a crazy message of she's doing something ridiculous it's more just like yeah I'm a, I'm a person and i go through regular things regular ass shit yeah i since i'm a in the media spot like they all hate on me for it that's, that's like basically the whole fucking album yeah i feel you that I, is a lot of the album going back though last year with her with her shorter project it's almost like an ep but it's nine songs it's, it's got plenty of music on it uh but that feature list i love this is a project i really enjoyed from her but it has music soul child on it it has Dom Kennedy on it, Ty Dolla Sign with one of her biggest songs yet, uh, and then you know Black is on it as well. It's kind of like she like the people's champ, you know what I'm saying? Like Nav is running numbers, but she's like the people's champs in terms of like you know what I'm saying like who the people are really behind. And if you yeah. do like a, a public poll instead of streaming numbers, just doing like polls, <laughs> I yeah. think people are behind Kehlani a lot more. 
<clears throat> yeah, I would say, I would say I see what you guys are saying. Like Nav's fan base, while probably bigger, is way more casual. Like way less cares about what Nav's doing. Yeah. yeah. But but he is a streaming machine, and streaming I don't know popularity wise. Yeah. Like I feel like Nav probably is. Well, actually, I'm looking at it right now, and like as far as radio hits go and stuff, Kalani actually peaked way higher than Nav. Kalani oh, really? peaked 28, and Nav peaked like 67 or something. So, I mean, even like like you said, Dev, I do think that like her her biggest songs are like like big big songs, like anthems, like you said. And she has some really big features too. Yeah, so, like she was on she one that of those Bieber really big feature. Kyle songs, and she was on uh, the Cardi B album. Holy yeah. shit, that song with her and Cardi B is fire. <clears throat> and then the, even the Tiana Taylor song is like pretty fire. And like people were really behind that because yeah. of the music video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Dorks. of which, this album cover. Five out of five. Yeah, yeah. Five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five quick, out of five. Bro, that's strategic. That's marketing at its finest. She knew what she was doing there. And she knew right? the reaction it would draw. And she knew that if you got that out of five songs on the top five, you know, like those yeah. like albums or whatever, you know, if you just look in. Hey, you we know was what you, you know just what you're gonna talking about album covers that reel you in. I'm saying, dog, you know, it's like mar- it's marketing, bro. It's marketing. I did want to bring up really quickly. And and another thing that I I wanted to bring up context about. Oh, I was just going to bounce back real quick to uh, about album arts is that I I also appreciate an artistic picture or statement that is actually really, really, really very simple. But it does say something and it does give you a serious image and it does, in this case, reel you in. I mean, this this picture doesn't take much designing or anything, Yeah. but it still kind of depicts you something. I think this is a great album cover. For sure, for sure. Real quick, bro, let me let me bring up um, context about this Kehlani situation. I wanted to bring it up to see what you guys thought. Um, I thought the last two albums, I took those two albums off on Kehlani's, you know, in, in her discography. I'm not really the biggest fan of the last two major projects. You okay. have to go back to like 2015, 2016 from like the time that I really enjoyed her projects Yeah. Um, other than this one. But I wanted to know what you guys thought about how much of her having her laptop stolen with all of like her like lifetime's worth of songs and music. Like she got that stolen some years back and basically had to start from scratch to make all of her new music. So I think that really kind of like, I think she was like riding a wave and that kind of like sat her down a little bit. Of course she had that feature work and was blown up in that way, right? But I think that like getting it back into her own bag took her a couple of years and more life experiences because I mean, just imagine, it's like you having all your greatest ideas in a notebook and then someone just steals it and you're like oh shit like yeah. and you know, for her so i too, just want to know what you thought yeah yeah what, what you made me think of is for her too the kind of music that she makes is i feel like she probably has to go through some sort of cathartic experience to purge out some of the emotions in these songs when she writes them or when they actually get finished uh that that process that that process can be tiring maybe uh and if you have all these songs that you've worked through and then you have to start from ground zero again, <clears throat> I can imagine for an artist like her, like that being particularly difficult. You know, if you just stole one of Lil Wayne's laptops or something like that, you know, he, he's an artist that can make billions of songs. 
exaggerating. He'll, he'll just walk right back into that booth, start freestyling. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, he is a start from scratch. Like that's just how he makes music is starting from scratch. But you know, especially for someone like an R and B artist, <clears throat> what goes into making a song and actually, you know, creating that entire song can be a lot more. And I would say that probably may have affected her. I didn't know that happened to her. Yeah, that was a couple years back, man. I guess it was someone within her team or something, you know, uh, took that or whatever at a show or something. But, um, man, I wanted to ask you, I feel like there's a huge missed opportunity here. What, would, what did you guys think about the Janae track? One of my favorite tracks, on, actually. Oh, word. I've been on record not being a huge Janae Aiko fan. Okay. Like, I think that, I think what she does is, I think what she does, she does really well. But I'm just not like a huge Janae fan. And so I was like, that was probably the feature on this that I was like least excited about. But I mean, the song's fine. I'm not like crazy about it. It blend, it works really well in the track list. I will say it like doesn't like, it doesn't bring down the rest of the album at all. But it's just not my favorite track. What about you, Dev? Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of contrary to you on this while still feeling like there are some missed opportunity features. So I actually have been gravitating to the Janae Aiko feature and the James Blake feature, whereas oh, wow. the Lucky Day Masego and Tory Lanez Ooh. features have not Ooh. caught on to me as much. Now, I'm going to give this, gonna give this album fire, another dude. listen. I'm going to give this album more listens after we are finished here. I don't have a full formed opinion, but those have been the songs that have been I've been gravitating to first. Okay. Those so, are the songs you that know, I put on the playlist. This thing has been on constant repeat for me, man. And I feel I'm really disappointed with the Janae one because I thought Janae did her thing. You know what I mean? But I think that like right now with the momentum Janae has, Janae is kind of like a cult. <laughs> like she has a cult following yeah, right now. Yeah. So for her, like Kehlani and Janae could have like had a little more synchronicity on the song. But instead, I think they opted to kind of go with two different sounds. Like it doesn't really sound like they meshed well. Yeah. Um, I will but say I, I like the song more than I like that Janae feature because it, it does, it's, it's like a significant switch up. Yeah, exactly. So that one, I'll tell you what, I was really excited though, man. And this one, this, it spoke the most out of all the tracks to me. It's not even about uh, Kehlani, it's about Masego. Masego hops on a, on a song, on a feature, right? And it's yeah. just him on a saxophone and you know exactly Ooh. who he is Ooh, just as soon as he is. starts playing. Yeah. Dude, that is so, that's so heavy though, because it's like he's cemented himself so deep in our minds, you know, just to have that sound. It just shows how big he is without even having to sing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm because with that. when yeah. uh, you think about the feature he did on the Ari Lennox album, that's one of my favorite songs off of that album. It's one of the most memorable because she's killing it. And like vocally, she is really just like exercising herself. But then you get this whole other part to it that, like you said, it's like you hear that saxophone and the way it's being played and you know who it is. And you don't even have to hear that person's voice yet yeah. to, to I, be able to recognize it. I just thought that was incredible, man. Like that was, for me, it spoke, it spoke the loudest out of all the features. Uh, Tory Lanez, I think he suffers from kind of that Drake thing. And don't I'm not comparing the two whatsoever, but I'm saying... I, I kind of compare the two a lot, actually. I'm saying from the Drake thing, as in you set the bar so high for yourself that now you, the stuff you put out is always so good. Now it's, we're just comparing it to your old stuff, you know? So like uh, this new tape that came out with, with Drake, like it's cool. But it's just, you know, it, it doesn't... It comes with the baggage of every other Drake song that you heard that's kind of like what you're hearing on the album. Exactly. And then for the Tory one, you know, I can't get past Chicks Tape 5. 
I will not listen to anything else besides that. That is by far, I think, his greatest project that he has ever put out, you know? And it's weird because he took the Wayne approach and did a mixtape, man. He just did it over other people's songs, yeah. you know? And it's tough when you could when you could make another person's song who's so memorable in your mind and turn it into your own, right? Yeah. So, you know, not to make this about him, but I just thought that, you know, Tory Lanez probably had one of the best features on the project, but he, uh, you know, suffering from that, competing against himself, man. Yeah. More, more or less, I feel like we we've found a way to talk about everybody on this project except for yeah. Kaylani. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we compared Nav to Kaylani, and then we're like, well, okay, well, what about these features and whatnot? Um, my my final take with Kaylani on this project is I I would be lying if I said I don't feel a little disappointed in um just the overall project. It's thirty nine minutes, fifteen songs, so it's not very long. You know, it's pretty short and sweet to the point. But it doesn't feel that way to me. I haven't, um, I haven't really gotten a ton of album experience out of this yet. I feel like there are a couple songs that I'm gravitating towards to kind of help me jog up my interest for the overall artistic statement. Um, but I think it's just a little, it's a little on the slower end for me. I'm with you. I, you know, the more I listen to like the contemporary R&B of today, like Summer Walkers and the Kehlani's and like, not that these artists like aren't good at all. It's just a full album of that kind of music. gets like a little bit tedious for me, like a little bit too much, not of the same note, but of a similar note. And from a front to back, like there is that one song, I think, they should, Kehlani like kind of raps on that like oh, I on thought the end. was like on the end she yeah. raps which I thought, was like, cool. I thought that was a cool way to different album, but I gotta give props to that as well I thought I think it's Kehlani I thought but, it was I think Kehlani, that's Kehlani yeah. man is it it sounds like a different person but I thought it was Kehlani just getting her like well it says um, it's Lexi's outro so I figured this is just a whole nother person it's totally could be though maybe I'm tripping well Regardless of who it is, all I know is like it needed that. It needed like a little bit of refreshment from the same kind of like slow, like you know, kind of like I don't know how R and B and her singing. Like yeah, it's just it's just contemporary R and B is just contemporary R and B is just like it's it's not as like dynamic and uh, it's not as much of an experience as like an alternative R and B, like an Ari Lennox or like an Raven Lene or something like that where there's a lot of different creative or creative moments going on in the album. Not that this isn't creative, but like, it's just not like my kind of sound. So, however, that being said, uh, my last little thing is the, the songs that don't have a feature on them, I think are actually pretty great. Like, I think that I kind of prefer if you had to like put them against each other where the nav was like, just give me the features. Like I could do, I could do without the rest. The Kehlani thing, I'm kind of like, I might like this album a little more if the, like, if, like, if you had to pit the two sides against each other, the non-feature side, I kind of like it a little bit more just because mm. I think she was able to, like, kind of be herself more so on it, it with the exception of the Masego because it's not really, like, his voice carrying it. But um, I don't know. I think the project's good, but it's just, like, this won't ever, an album like this is rarely ever going to touch, like, my top 25 of a year because it's just, like, it's not my kind of music. Um, yeah, I look back at artists like Kehlani and like <clears throat> Janae Aiko, and I don't feel like these 
artists are doing as dynamic as a sound. So I feel a little biased against those kinds of artists. Um, and I don't know if that's a personal bias or if I just really think, you know, that when it comes down to it, like the Ari Lennox project and, you know, some of the music that someone like a Miguel would come out with, you know, they do add that diversification, you know, from an album to album basis to a song to song basis. They do really try to fill out the track list with different uh, courageous ideas. And I feel like this one is it could have had more courageous ideas to me. So so final take album cover five out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> album that's cover five takeaway. out of five. Album like two to three out of five. But I appreciate Kaylani. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I definitely don't have anything like straight negative to say about this project. It just sure. at the end of the day, at worst, it might just not be for me. Yeah. Quick, quick couple singles. I didn't think there was too much out there. This is a pretty like slow music week. Um, there were definitely some things. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It depends on your taste. But I think it's hilarious. This Migos Taco Tuesday song that leaked like a couple weeks ago. It's on streaming. Ways. Okay, now, Anale, <laughs> and then uh, on a much different side of the hip hop spectrum, we have uh, JPEG Mafia doing a remix of one of his songs with Denzel Curry. And it's a cool song. They both have these these verses that uh, are really enjoyable. And they're, they're both great rappers, so they are able to put a lot of different thoughts and ideas into their verses. But I love that by the end of the Denzel Curry verse, it just comes back to the fact that they both are bald, which is the name of the song. Like, it's the, the fact that they both have cut their hair. So, I mean, it's just kind of funny that they can do these songs that are complex in nature, but then kind of fall back on a really uh, simple concept. Yeah. I'm looking forward. They, uh, I think it was... Denzel mentioned that there's like a little, you know, group that they have with uh, Slow Tie and somebody else, and they're gonna put out like a little group project. I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, yeah, man, I'll take anything from, from from these guys. These guys that have really popular names in the kind of like alternate hip hop sector. So they're, they're popular, but they're kind of still on this fringe of like, you know, what most hip hop fans would be gravitating to anyway. So, um, yeah, I think this is like a really ideal collab and slow tie getting in the mix with these guys. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah. would be really cool. Oh, it's, uh, the fourth guy's Zilla Kami. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so another, another one, one of those, you know, fits right in guys fits right in with them. Yeah. Um, Little Sims also dropped a short, like, little EP. And I bring that up because we were big fans of the Little Sims album that came out last year. A lot of people that we talk music with had enjoyed that last year. Um, so she came with, like, a little short EP. Um, Trent, I don't know if you listened to it. Uh, yeah, I like Skinned It. It's very okay. Yeah. And Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's extremely okay. Uh, and I didn't really love anything off of it until like the second to last song or start to love any of it. Um, so, yeah, always shout out to Lil Sims because I think she is another really creative and um, aesthetically definite musician. Um, I think yeah. she kind of knows how to nail home an, an idea and a sound, but 
yeah, this is just kind of like a, a bland little project. So I'm hoping it's a real yeah. setup for an album that'll be a, that'll wow me more in the future. Yeah, it's still like she has all the talent. Like it's still there, um, but this yeah. EP is is just not that like. It's not, especially comparing it to gray area, it's just like not fair. Like, yeah, it's not I'm that really dynamic. Just boiling it down to the beats that she chose and the flow choices yeah. that she went with and the songs that she wrote were just not that interesting. And especially yeah. compared to, like I said, you know, with, with, with gray area. Um, and she, uh, she seems to me more of like an album artist. Like she, mm-hmm. she really could use some wiggle room to have like 10 ideas to put out. As opposed to boiling her down to six, you know, she really had to, or five, she really had to nail those five and that didn't really, it didn't really feel that way to me. So, um, yeah, we had that, uh, we had the Chris Brown Young Thug project, um, which also came out like more than a week ago and is just now making its way to streaming services. So here's my, here's my immediate take on this. There's some cool songs on this. It's an interesting collaboration. I think Chris Brown and Young Thug have some chemistry, but not a lot. And I don't even mind that they decided to do a project together because I think Chris Brown probably sees himself as like a similar ilk of Young Thug. Someone who makes a lot of music, makes music really often, makes music that is accessible to a wide variety of, of, of listeners makes really popular songs uh but it also comes through with these very free-spirited ideas uh in terms of like how they like to deliver their verses their vocals and whatnot like they can kind of just do a lot so i see why they decided to collab on this why they see themselves in a lineage with one another but i don't think they have a ton of chemistry or as much chemistry as i hope but derek you seemed a little bit more into this album than either of us did so into it in the sense of I think that Chris Brown, he did a metamorphosis in a way, right? So I think he went back slightly to his fan of a fan roots, if you remember those yeah, mixtapes. Yeah, man, Tiger. I used to slap fan of a fan. I guess uh, full transparency here, definitely was a Chris, Bra- a bigger Chris Brown fan <laughs> at one point than I am today. For sure, for sure. And I get that too because I'm kind of in that same boat. So when he puts out music, the thing is, is he like literally today he puts out music the same way that he did in like 2010, you know what I'm saying? The 20, uh-huh. you know, 2009, 2010, like obviously it's on different beats and whatnot, but that same Chris Brown essence is there. So for me, what I liked about it is that it felt like he was going back to his fan of a fan roots, but still some, keeping that R&B factor on there. Yeah. And I think that he kind of, you know, it's like, to me, it felt like him and Young Thug are compared more, um, more by like, fans than themselves i think like this was like a pressured type situation not like there's immediate serious pressure for them to do a project together but i think the people have been wanting this in a weird way even though yes i do agree when you line them up side by side you're like this is kind of like an odd pairing like what am i listening to right now like i can see the similarities but i'm really like i'm really making myself see the similarities yeah you have to ultimately man i think young thug like i said you know in the beginning of the show i've never been the biggest fan personally i do think he has he's great on features i just don't like his stuff Mm -hmm. myself like his own solo work but as like that duo of him and chris brown it worked but i liked chris brown i think he actually carried it in my opinion right um i would say this definitely sounds more like a chris brown album 
then it does a, 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 a list of young thug ideas, if that makes sense. Um, so I feel like he was probably uh, the, I think he was maybe the driving force behind getting this project going and what it was going to actually sound like. And then young thug comes in and does his thing. I think it sounds a little bit more like a Chris Brown brainchild. Can, can I uh, compare this album to something else? I feel like you guys will uh, feel me when I say this. I feel like this is a little reminiscent of the T. Wayne album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like a little I, reminiscent <laughs> of it. Uh, Trent, did you ever listen to the T. Wayne project? That's a great project, by the way. Yeah, if you haven't, please do. Uh, I think... I think so, somebody made me listen to it one time. It probably it might like, have been me. It could have definitely been you. Might have been you. I, I I reviewed that on my YouTube page like a long time ago in one of those multi reviews. It's one of the albums I talked about, and I was like, "Yo, 2009, 10, <laughs> 11 Dev is like screaming inside right now." <laughs> but uh, anyways, Derek, you you were saying you kind of c- compare these two projects. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of look at it as kind of like a T. Wayne reminiscent of that. You know, I just think it's like two major forces in their own respective lanes coming together and assimilating. You know, it's just yeah. a sim- it's a assimilation project. man. They, they kind of yeah. sound like each other. But Chris Brown, I think, naturally has that stronger sound when he comes on, even like in his vocals in the beginning of the song, it was just like turned up way more than fucking Young Thug. So yeah. be like, um, I don't know, man, it was good. It wasn't for me like I'm not going to sit here and have bump this on repeat. But during that first couple of listens like you know it was cool i think your attitude matters a lot when you listen to music and and for me you know my attitude towards chris brown for the past several years to this point has has kind of shifted away from being passionate about his music or certain phases of his music uh, or certain shades of his music basically and i think a project like this where like i'm much more in the vogue of a young thug at the moment can kind of help me saturate this Chris Brown with something that is a little bit more familiar to my taste at the time. So if you just ask me to straight away listen to a Chris Brown record, you know, I just think Young Thug is the is the agent that allows me to, he's the conduit agent that just allows me to appreciate this and Chris Brown's music on this for what it is a little bit better because like I said this does sound more like a Chris Brown project to a Young Thug project and that doesn't bother me at all you know it's like it's cool to hear Young Thug just adapt to some of these ideas and um, you know it, it if a Chris Brown came out with an album tomorrow that was just him maybe I listen to it maybe I don't but this kind of gets me this is one of those projects that just kind of brings him back into the the sphere of my thought as it pertains to music that's coming out right now that's the out of sight out of mind you know just bring him back into the spotlight real fast you know yeah because i think again when it comes down to this subjective thing about whether or not you like a certain album or songs or whatever you do really have to think about like what your personal biases are towards certain artists and why that is and while you're totally fine to like what you like and think what you want um you know this is something that uh just gives me a little bit more perspective on the chris brown album gives me something for it gives me a place to judge it from a place that i would uh that i'm a little bit more familiar with being or i'm a little bit more passionate about being you know young thugs music and the young thug sound at this time 
I kind of think that you you have to be careful, you know, upon listening to these projects, too, because this does a little bit of that. Um, so have you ever had an album or an artist you really like? Maybe they're an older artist. Let's say I'm going to use a very obscure um, R&B group, not obscure, but maybe to you guys. But, you know, who Jodeci is like yeah. the R&B band. Yeah. So Joe and Jodeci, that's like if they were together still and put out an album today, you'd probably be like, what? Like Jodeci just dropped an album, like, yeah. you know, just weird. Right. And I think that's kind of the same way you have to approach when a Chris Brown drops something or even a Little Wayne mm-hmm. where you're like, it's I use the sports analogy should Michael Jordan have come back to the Wizards after he retired for the second time? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he comes back, you're like, oh man, like you probably should have hung it up, bro. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you, we, you don't need to prove nothing. They got Mike Tyson right now talking about he wants to do it. The charity fights. We're like, bro, you're we're, you're good. Like, yeah. You don't need to do that. Like, we've already had enough. You've served the people enough. So sometimes I'm worried because the last thing that you'd want to see is a great historic artist, if that's what you consider Chris Brown. Um, diminishing and i do in a sense you know in terms of like his talent level i do you know i do really appreciate just like the freight train of ideas and music and Mm -hmm. success that chris brown has been over you know since he was 16 since 2008 or so you know so i definitely give a lot of credit to that too but you're right you know you don't want to see people diminish what they already have built up yeah, exactly. It's no point, you know, but that's the that's the problem with music is that cats um, that are musicians or, you know, that have that's just all they know. And that's where the successes has come from. You know, never want to hang it up. Man, you could be 80 years old and make a track, bro. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, and, and your body is not going to break down on you like it would in a basketball game. And, and you know, maybe your voice, but, you know, not your body. Um, so, I, yeah, you know, hopefully we get good music. That's really what it comes down to is if they're going to keep bringing it, at least make it good, man. Yeah, let's. I guess let's turn our attention here. Ah, um, oh man, I was gonna do a quick rest in peace at the beginning of the show too that I didn't get to do. Rest in peace to Little Richard. Rest in, rest peace, in peace to Andre Harrell. Mm-hmm. You know, Trent. I'm thinking back a few episodes ago. We never, we never said goodbye to Bill Withers. R.I.P. It's true. We did not. Who I R. think R. Is, it belongs in a, a very elite Hall of Fame of songwriters like of all time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just thinking about people who wrote songs that completely identified the, the human experience. You know, there, there are only so many people I think it did it as well as, as he did. And, uh, and I put him up there with like a, a Nina Simone in that regard. Like the ability to just write so many songs that, that do that. Think about the age he uh, he was at when he wrote these songs too, man. Mm-hmm. You know, this he got his fame. His little claim to fame came a lot later than most people do. It was already like a forty year old man when, when yeah, he yeah he had already had a a career working in the in the military and was an engineer and and, and yeah, that's a respect, man. A random documentary for for anybody. Maybe maybe you've seen this, Derek. Have you seen the Black? I want to say the the Black Godfather about Clarence Avant. No. I haven't, but I'll definitely check that out, man. Oh, you on Netflix God, or something? Okay, so uh, this is this is totally pertaining to Bill Withers, but uh, Clarence Avant owned the record label that Bill Withers put a lot of his music out at the time. You know, some of those earliest, biggest songs. The record label was called Sussex. It doesn't exist anymore. But this guy, Clarence Avon, is is known as the Black Godfather of Hollywood or of the music industry or you know the entertainment industries because of the amount of deals he's been able to close for so many 
people and just like the the helping hands he's been able to lend to so many people again this guy's name is clarence avant best friends with quincy jones and okay. so this this whole documentary just details him from the get-go you know when he was uh managing a nightclub to how he got into the music industry to how he met certain people and this documentary has a very very star-studded cast of people commentating on it you go through there's going to be so many names you do and don't know um and uh yeah it's it's an incredibly inspiring documentary about his ability to just like help black people in the music industry and help people in general just not get fucked in the music industry which is happen you know which happens to everybody either with vaseline or without you know um so he he's been a a great force in that in that regard but a big part of it is him uh and bill withers getting those first couple projects out and you know this guy clarence avant was kind of the reason they chose uh lean on me as the single uh for that album and bill withers was kind of he talks about being kind of confused by that decision at the time because like he said you know he's like dude i I had already had a full life in the military i I was a grown man you know and this this is kind of like a campfire song you know they were thinking about pushing something completely different but you you see how that song resonates with humans today and what it's what it's done today and talk uh, talk about an anthem man that's an anthem right there yeah yeah and you have a lot of other you have other so incredibly successful people in the music industry in this documentary they're talking about like damn like we spend our entire lives you know trying to get a song as big as that you Mm -hmm. know on our resume and clarence has done it like a couple times (laughs) like he's just been one of those kinds of people so i definitely recommend that documentary to anybody that wants to watch it i've seen it twice it's on netflix uh it's amazing but rest in peace, Bill Withers, uh, for writing such amazing songs that, again, just help uh, encapsulate the human experience. And uh, his perspective on life was incredible. Uh, back to Little Richard. Um, you know, I can't say I, I've listened to a ton of Little Richard music in my life, but I know the, the, uh, so much of the music that I've heard in my life has been influenced by this man and the blueprint that he set forward for rock and roll music. Um, and I want to make sure I emphasize the term blueprint, uh, the originator when it comes to the rock and roll, you know, craze of its time. Um, so shout out to little Richard had a very long and, and, and successful life died at 87. Um, I was really sad about the Andre Harrell death being that he's not that old. Uh, But he was the founder of Uptown Records. So uh, basically, you know, Diddy was an intern or, you know, worked at Uptown Records before he started Bad Boy. And that was a big uh, turning point for him. And so he was instrumental in the careers of people like Diddy or uh, Mary J. Blige or, you know, tons of other names that you would recognize. So shout out to him. Those two deaths were in the past couple days. And uh, I don't know. Anybody else recently that passed that, 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 kind of fucked you up like this could be uh, in the last couple of weeks or basically in the last like since this whole coronavirus stuff started 
people go every day, man. You know, it's the one inevitability in life. So, you know, as much as it impacts us and we mourn it and whatnot, it is to be expected. And that is what makes people's life experiences valuable. That is why we value people like Bill Withers. And we value, obviously, they've done, you know, things that have entertained us and for the greater good of people. But ultimately, man, you know, because we know it will come to an end, that's why we respect and adore these people so much. So, you know, without an end, none of this would really matter. So, fact. you know, fact, what you do in your time, however long that may be, doesn't matter as much. Right. Exactly. That, that concept. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Derek, you kind of asked us, like, how we're doing, how we're surviving, you know, mm-hmm. amongst the coronavirus pandemic and just this uh, different world we're living in, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I feel like we kind of um, before we really knew it, stepped through a doorway into a USA that's going to just have to be significantly different than it was before all this began. Um, and just like that, you know, it's, it's, it, it could be that fast. So um, for you, man, how have you been surviving? How are you doing? And, and is this affecting you in terms of how you work, how you produce and, and release your podcast, um, mm-hmm. how you, you know, make day to day life happen? So I'm doing well, man. I'm doing as well as you can during these trying times. You know, we all hurt and we all got problems, but, you know, that is to be expected. So I'm doing well in the way that um, I'm surviving is by taking this time and really appreciating it and cherishing it. I am out of work, you know, as a lot of us are, because in our respective fields, you know, they just won't allow us, you know, the state of Oregon won't allow us to open back up yet. So you know, out of work. Um, But what that has done is instead of, um, you know, putting me in a rut, instead of making me sad or whatever the case may be, it made me realize what's important in my life and what I really enjoy doing on a day to day. When I have no obligations in my day and I carve out my own routine, you start to realize you're doing things that you actually want to do. You're curating your day to your liking. And I think that's more important um, than we take into consideration currently. The reason why is because I believe that people we're so caught in that monotony. We're so caught in that. I like to use the word, the machine, you know, we're in that cycle every day, get up at six, got to do all this stuff during the day, go to bed at 11, get up at six. You know, it's that, that same, you know, rotating circle of stagnation, because even though we feel we're going somewhere with our corporate nine to five nonsense jobs, working for another individual, building up their dream, even though we think that we're going places, we're really staying stagnant because we're helping out other people's dreams and we're not helping ourselves. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, um, this has really taught me that that when things open back up and when, um, you know, things go back to normal, whatever that is. I don't think there will be a normal. I think it'll just be a new reality. Whenever the new reality hits and we're allowed to go back outside again, um, (laughs) you know, I I definitely think that I will be taking much more into consideration my happiness instead of the amount of money that I can make. Because um, I'll tell you this right now, and I think this is a good philosophy to live by, you know, being transparent, making mid $20,000 annually, um, you know, it's in the lower bracket of most people's, you know what I mean, money making yeah, schemes, yeah. but I live incredibly comfortable making that amount of money. Mm-hmm. So why would I sell myself uh, short? You know, why would I sell my soul and, you know, just sell out as a person to make what, 40, 50, 60, you know, thousand a year doing it under terrible conditions, doing it with people that I hate? Why not take a risk? Because we've already seen that people who did the comfy nine to five secure job 
most of us still lost it anyways, right? So why not take a risk and do what I want to do and do what makes me happy and put my name on something because I believe in ownership and I think ownership is incredibly important. Why not do that instead? Which is what sprouted um, the podcast I'm doing, which is the Portland Free Thinkers Club on all major streaming services. Um, you know, I actually stopped podcasting. I don't, I don't know if you guys just saw, you know, an, yeah. an absence last time yeah, I went yeah, on your sure. podcast. It was the Just a Moment podcast with Derek G. Mm-hmm. I am Derek G, of course. And it was about musicians and whatnot. But let me tell you this, man. You know, as much as I was doing it, and I really loved it. You know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it, generally speaking. But I found that I was doing it for the wrong reason. And I was doing it for people instead of doing it for myself, you know? So it wasn't self-serving. It was more of, I'm trying to be a people pleaser and I want people to like me and I want people to watch my videos and all that. So once I stopped, I started doing it again under a different approach. And um, the Portland Free Thinkers Club is essentially an extension of me. It is my thoughts, my ideas. I say what I want, when I want. I talk about whatever I want. I talk with whoever I want. And there is no facade to be held, man. You know, it's literally just me doing my thing and and asking questions like I do every day anyways. And, uh, you know, putting my message out there and educating people, you know, my my, you know, virtual teaching, I guess, if you want to call it, man, is researching some topics, mm-hmm. generally dystopian, because that's where our, our world is heading, you know, and, yeah. and, and talking about it and prompting these questions, because I don't know if sometimes you, you don't know, you're like, you don't know about things, you don't think about things, because it's literally, you're just unaware, you're just ignorant of it, you know, we're all very ignorant. So yeah. I know that was incredibly long winded, but that is essentially what <laughs> this time has, has, it's allowed me to formulate that answer for you. So well, <clears throat> thinking about you know the pandemic and the situation that we're in to you and and what your podcast has been covering you know what have been what's been like one of the most interesting developing stories um throughout this pandemic uh for you and for you know your podcast content so for me, man, one of the things I just dropped an episode of my podcast uh, yesterday, right? So it's out now. And what I talk about is how if we want to open things back up, we all love to go to restaurants and movies and, you know, clubs and whatever, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that's happening now is that if if you if we want to do that, if we're serious about reopening the economy, we will be doing so generally speaking with the, these things called thermal imaging cameras, right? And uh, their nickname is fever check cameras, because what they will do is this infrared, you know, infrared light in that spectrum of light. It uh, basically will check your you for elevated skin temperatures. That is the only thing this camera does. But it's being implemented right now in GM, the, uh, in multiple GM factories. There's going to be like hundreds of cameras. And this company, FLIR, F-L-I-R Systems, they are uh, getting a couple contracts. They're trying to grab Amazon as a clientele base. And their CEO just said that the number one spot he thinks these cameras will be in will be hospitality. So welcome to the new reality, dog. We right there in this Black Mirror episode <laughs> where you're going to go up, you're going to check your little, you're going to look at the camera and you're going to like stare at it. And it's going to beep and say, okay, you're good. You can come in and or beep. You're not good you're not allowed access to this, um, you know, establishment. And even though you might say, yeah, cool. It'll tell who's sick, who's not. Let me ask you this, man. Quick, quick question for you. <laughs> When's the last time you saw somebody be publicly humiliated? Rejected from a, from an establishment. Yeah. You're just humiliated in general. Oh, okay. You know, when's the last time you just think you don't even got to answer. Just think about it. When's the last time you saw someone publicly humiliated and what was their reaction? And if you just, you know, accumulate all that data and you aggregate it and you think about, you know, it's probably like eight out of 10 times people act very poorly 
when they're publicly humiliated. Yeah. So we at the movies and you get denied you a couple people in front of, or no, we at the movies, me and you, All Dev, right. me, <laughs> we, we at the movies and we about to go and catch the newest blockbuster film. And there's a cat, a couple people in front of us who gets denied. Right. And this whole line of people next to you, you know what I'm saying? And he looks at y'all and he looks at the camera like, this is some bullshit. I'm not sick. Trust me, guys. You know, I just have elevated skin temperature. I'm not sick. I don't got Corona. Mm. And next thing you know, he goes to the trunk of his car, comes back and we have a tragedy on our hands. That's what I'm talking about. This is the new world we're going to be living in. It's like if we're going to let technology dictate, you know, our access to things, man, you know, people have very, very poor reactions to do to, you know, those types of situations. So that was just one thing that has been happening currently. And it's something that we need to keep our eye on because this is like current news. I'm talking about like on the news yesterday, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're pushing this in action cause we're trying to open up. So that's one of the things that I've been really diving deep into on my podcast Generally speaking, I talk a lot about technology because even though I love technology, look at what we're doing right now. We're doing a virtual, you know what I'm saying, podcast. <laughs> you know, look at what we're doing. Like, this is amazing. But at the same time, the same, you know, benefits, uh, you know, that it gives us, there's also negative negative side to it, you know, and there's a, a lot of privacy is being taken away from us. And um, I'm going to save this so people can go to and in if they want to, because it's a long story to explain, but. I don't know if you saw in the headlines, Earl Thomas was just held at gunpoint by his wife recently. And I'm not even going to explain the whole thing, but this started because uh, of his Snapchat and him sharing his location features on Snapchat. So if you don't know what access, you know, what level of access your applications on your cell phone, you know, are able to output to the rest of the public world, um, you should probably figure that out. It's probably pretty important. And you could probably avoid having a gun held to your head if (laughs) your location. So, you know, God um, damn that's what's going on right now you know it is i feel like we're jumping i feel like we've blipped into a like more of a sci-fi universe with this uh coronavirus like having done what it's done to society and everyday life you know now i I feel like we've jumped further into the need for technical technological advances um in terms of how we communicate and just kind of what pro- what problem solving people are going to do for this post-COVID epidemic. Um, so you're just starting to hear more things like, like that come up. Like, oh, we're going to, like, that's going to be a culture thing that, you know, potentially we may actually, um, you know, use cameras to check people's temperatures. And, and that dictates whether or not, you know... Like we have to do that before people go into certain places or, or whatnot, um, or on your podcast too. You you brought up, um, and this is something that we've heard before. And this is definitely something we've heard before in movies, and we see how this goes in movies. But um, you know, trying to prevent crimes before they happen. Oh yeah, we're doing the uh, social credit systems and whatnot, man. Yeah, dude, it's ba- it's basically the camera systems. It's just uh, AI. China right now, and I want to make this clear because I haven't, I haven't done it on my own platform, but I talk a lot about China and I do it in a negative light. And the reason isn't because of the people of China. I have no malice with any of the people of China, but I do have malice with how their government is ran um, or run or, you know, how they run their government. I have an issue with it. I, you know, obviously I live in America, so we have different views on how things should be, you know, uh, ran. But ultimately what they're doing, man, is using artificial intelligence and CCTV uh, camera networks to 
basically right now what they want to do is they just want to like intimidate you from doing something bad right they want to like be able to stop the crime but now what they're gearing their ai towards is stopping the crime before it happens and what's weird is that like they did this there's this video man and i i if i could find a link i will send it to you if i remember but basically they just show this dude like um his face you know because you have to get all these face scans as part that's let me actually give you this context in order to get a new cell phone number or internet provider in china currently you have to submit the facial recognition scans that's mandatory it's not an option so you know be like oh i'm about to go get that new iphone you go and you'll pick (laughs) it up or whatever now you have to get your your face scanned in and you're basically your mobile number is linked to your real identity no more burner phones so you know people being linked to their phones now they do something you know and and someone snitches on them or whatever and cops are you know running up to them in fucking 45 seconds you know what i'm saying because they just so like on the money with it it's crazy because it's advancing so incredibly quickly and the people in china a lot of the people in China, at least from what I have read, because, you know, I'm not there, you know, I can't really speak as a citizen of that place. But from what I've read in the accounts that I've read, um, people are looking at it like this. They're saying, listen, man, if there's more cameras, if they're, you know, if they like see what you're doing, we'll all be safer. Right. And they're in favor of it. And they're not looking at it as like, oh, these like it's like Big Brother over your shoulder, man. There's been sociological and psychological tests where they show if you have like a camera watching you or somebody watching you at all times, even though you can't see them, you know, someone's watching you. Your pattern of behavior will substantially change. Of course. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, man, these are little things. And if you look at it at face value, you might not see a problem with it. But when I once again, when you aggregate all of this and you collect it and you say, like, holy, holy, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hold up. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And why exactly and, uh, have, am I being watched at all times? And you what know? it implies when, you know, the the parties that um have certain powers and responsibilities also have biases towards yeah. certain groups. Or certain types of activities or this or that um you know what that means for people or who that tends to target and especially in this country you know y- you can kind of already take a guess at who that might um you know what groups of people that might are impacted the most, right? faster yeah. at least you know than, than others and that's uh, like too real, bad, quick, the real, most quick, real quick real quick real uh trent what's up i gotta i gotta get out of here trent's out yeah, sorry about Peace that. Out, dog. To interrupt. All right, it's good oh, to talk yeah. to you guys. Trent Scott. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, take it easy. All right, peace, peace. bro. Uh, real quick, man, I just want to say that really this is the key that you need to worry about. It's not, it's all those things that I just said before, those are bad, but it, what puts the icing on the cake is whether the data is centralized or decentralized. Centralized data is the problem. When one company or one government force has all of the data, and they have everything, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's the that's the thing is at least decentralize it so that there's checks and, you know, balances and all that. But that's the problem, man, is it's 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 small amounts of people, very small factions of people that have so much more control over the rest of the world, which doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. So how does one become a free thinker then? I'll in tell you society, this is how you do society it. society like uh, the U.S. too, which I think, you know, we have a, we kind of have a bias on how the Chinese government operates but mm-hmm. i think sometimes you know the u.s is is more like china than it likes to it likes to appear to be so 100 percent, you know 100 or, or some of the things that they they seem to want to have in place seems more you know kind of like how they like to run the business but anyways 
so this is how you become a free thinker, man. You know, if you want to join the club, it's not a difficult thing to do. All you have to do is ask questions, man. You know, be skeptical. You feel me? Don't believe what you hear and do some research and put in the work to be able to verify these claims, at least verify it to the utmost ability that you have. You know, that's really all it takes. And that's all I ask people to do. And it's interesting because it seems like it's the hardest thing to do. You know, people will read a headline and then they'll start spewing this information to people and not read the article. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just do little things like this. And I a hundred percent agree with you because if I were sitting here saying I am in a, like, well, obviously I'm an American, but like, yeah, America, you know, all the other governments suck, you know, like things should be more like America. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that even America isn't where it should be, in my opinion. And we all, regardless of if you think this is the greatest place or not, have room to improve. So, you know, when I when I criticize China, it's not by saying you should be more by America, but by saying we all should just be better. And the people I personally believe don't deserve to be treated that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because I think it, criticizing uh, these current events that we just spoke of, you know, as they pertain to how the Chinese op- government operates is still a reflection or a shade of criticisms that we could offer to our own, our, our own, you know, executive system. And, yeah. and, you know, you would be fooling yourself if you don't think that America is trending on trying to do some of those similar things that we just brought up, you know, and, 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 <clears throat> They're doing uh, it, man. I'm talking they, about these thermal imaging. Like they're doing, they're doing it. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so it's, uh, I, yeah. You would be fooling yourself if you if you think like we're not on knocking on the same doors. Uh, so to to look at that and go, okay, well, okay, what's really going on here? You know, is 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 going to, like I said, just reflect on our own political system and things that have either already happened or are about to happen to us and, mm-hmm. and, and what that means for us as well. So, um, any other, any other topics on your podcast recently that came up that, um, you'd like to bring up? I would like to talk about this. Actually. I'm glad that you asked me. Um, this is really the one key that I'd like to, cause like those little topics, they don't necessarily matter. Like if they really want to dive in and, and understand the intricacies of like the crazy dystopian stuff, go check out the podcast. But this is the, this is the ethos right here Okay, is this, I want, this is going to be a thought experiment, right? So this is, I'm going to ask anybody listening and Dev, I'm going to ask you to do this yourself. You don't literally have to do it while we're doing it, but at some point during the day or next couple of weeks, whatever, just do this. Ask yourself. Why do you think the way that you think? Ask yourself, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? You know, not what you believe, but why do you believe what you believe? Mm. And think back on your childhood. Think about, think back on all your experiences through school, through everything. Um, And think about even your geographic location, how that may have shaped the way that you think and ask yourself, you know, do you think for yourself or, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you just hold on to these beliefs because it allows you to be part of the in group, whatever in group you want to be in, you know, we all want to be accepted and liked and, you know, all that stuff. Right. So generally um, a lot of the times people will adapt and assimilate to the people around them so that they can all be like-minded group think. Right. Yep. However, I think groupthink is terrible. And I think groupthink is the opposite from growth. Groupthink leads to stagnation, if not deterioration. So ultimately, man, you know, do this at some point during your day. And when I did this, when I started doing this, I started realizing that I would believe in bullshit just for the sake of bullshit. And I was spending a lot of time trying to convince myself that I believed what I believed, even and, though deep down inside, I really didn't. 
Yeah. And it's important too to understand like I think it's okay to have certain biases. I think we you know, an extension of what you're speaking about too is the ability to understand or document why you feel the way you feel or think the way that you think, you know, just because like, like, I think it's okay that your parents instill ideas in you for the duration of a certain period of your life. And that's really important. But as an adult, you also have to have this part in your mind built in that is able to understand where those perspectives come from. So if, if you look at a given scenario and you're thinking about it and you're realizing like, Oh, I'm really, speaking about this in the way that I think like my father would speak about it, mm-hmm. that still may be okay. But I feel like the importance of what you're saying is being able to digest that and understand that and, and where those things come from. Because the importance you can agree- is self-awareness. That's what it is. Self-awareness, it's just self-awareness. And, and agreeing with certain people is different than groupthink. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it, that's the point though, right there is being aware. I always say this, man, like, listen, if you want to, um, and, and I'm not hating on nobody, but if you want to go smoke a bunch of packs of cigarettes or you want to go and do a bunch of, you know, things that you probably know are detrimental to your health, I do not care if you understand what it's doing to you. You know what I mean? My problem is with the people who don't understand what is happening to them and they're doing this because of an addiction or because they think they sh- it's cool and, you know, people will like them if they do it. But, you know, there's a lot a lot of times where people just aren't under under they're not aware of the consequences of their actions. And in that sense, I'd say, listen, man, at least let me let you know, like, hey, man, that's probably not all good. And if you say, hey, you know what? I got it. You know, I get it. I say, all right, do your thing, man. But that's lit. I'm off the hook after that point. But that's all that I want out of people is for them to be self-aware of their actions, man. You know, do what you do as long as you know what you're doing. And you feel a social responsibility to prompt people to, to kind of... I'm not going... Well, I'm not going to go out of my way, bro. Like you smoking and we at the club, like I'm not going to be like, hey, bro, you need to just, like stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not that level of care. It's yeah. more about like, listen, if you want to come up and you want to have an intellectual discussion with me, you know, these are things that I might bring up and just say like, you know what I'm saying? These, It's just that well-roundedness and that awareness of yourself and your environment. You know, yeah. that's the thing is we're so self-centered too. We only think about ourselves and we fail to like read and scan and, and examine our environments, man. You know, yeah. I just go by this, man, you know what you do with your time here on this rock man you know what i'm saying that's your choice but for me i view this as a very limited experience you know one that you never know if you'll ever be able to have again um so during this time man i just try to be the person that i wish um you know basically like this so like when i was younger you know we always wanted that person who was like damn if i was 15 i wish i had this person to tell me and put me up on game and like you know what i mean be the example that i needed at that time and since i didn't have that i'm choosing to be that for others if they you know want to accept it but if they don't i'm not going to waste my breath it's not like that's why i have a podcast so i can get that out there and if you want to listen to it you can and if you don't then you don't have to but this way i'm not forcing nothing down no one's throat and i'm just speaking my speaking my mind and i'm leading by example you know what i'm saying i'm just i'm doing all this my myself i ain't gonna ask you to do something i wouldn't do yeah yeah you know and i know it's very passionate i ain't yelling at you dog you know (laughs) what i'm saying but but like you know that's just really how i feel about this and to me it's not this is not a hobby you know what i'm saying this is my life so um even though it's a podcast like i said ultimately it's an extension of me and the way that you hear me talking right now man this is how this is me every day in the same exact way the podcast is yeah you know what i'm saying and and, and that's you every day too huh 
Yeah, so that's why I say before when it was more guest oriented, people would tell me, oh, let's do an interview. And I'd get kind of upset, not upset, but I'd be offended in a way. And I'd be like, bro, it's not an interview. It's a conversation. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's a big distinction between because interviews are boring for the most part. I ask you a question and you answer it. Yeah. And it's like, that's cool. But let's have some feedback. Let's have some dialogue, you know. And that's one of the things that are are missing from my podcast um, is I've worked a lot. And it's a skill that I've had to hone is monologuing. Monologuing is incredibly difficult because you don't have no one to bounce those ideas back and forth. Uh, with. I will say doing a podcast by yourself Mm -hmm. or speaking on a microphone by yourself, very difficult thing to do. And it's a different mindset than like Mm -hmm. I always have another person on this show with me. So I get to orient my thought towards that direction of things. But I've noticed like uh, I used to do college radio and I always had a partner for college radio. And Mm -hmm. I, I always remember the one episode I had to do by myself. And how difficult that was. I felt like so out of place. And I thought I was good at this speaking thing. And then I realized when there's no one else in the room and I'm speaking to maybe another person on the other side of this this wall. Yeah. And and that's the thing is when you're doing it live, you know, that's the people I really have respect for. People who do things live or people who um, don't prepare. And, you know, we've talked before. I don't necessarily like for this new podcast, I have to do a different level of preparation, you know, because I'm basically this is like when I boil it down, I was thinking about it. I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, it's like you're in class and you get a prompt and you're told to go research it and give, (laughs) you know, like a, a, a a research report or whatever you know what yeah. i mean yeah like a, a book report or whatever it's yeah. basically like that it's like i'm researching something whatever crosses my eye i dive a little deep into it and then i talk about it um and pre- it's basically a presentation that's what i was looking for mm-hmm. you know so it's like that same anxiety you get except for me i've been doing it for so long now obviously i had 30 plus episodes on the just a moment podcast and now for this one i'm on eight for the portland free thinkers uh club so you know, just this is about 40 episodes of just speaking. And when I was doing the other podcast, those were an hour long. This is only 20 minutes. So this is a, a walk in the park. You know what I'm saying? In Word. comparison to literally trying to keep someone entertained for an hour. You know, that's, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how, you know, and I mean, you, you kind of answered this, but how have you been enjoying like starting fresh with a new idea, something that's a little bit more brief um, mm-hmm. and something that's oriented more towards I think something that you already do, right? You follow the world and you follow, you know, the the news cycles that you know you're interested in. And this is kind of a platform to digest that and then disseminate your understand and understanding of those circumstances to a to a, a platform. So it's a very self-serving tool, man. You know, I always say you don't really know something until you teach it to somebody else. It's the real way yeah, that you yeah, can I'm truly exactly learn way. something yeah. and and understand it. So, you know, um, when you say following the news cycle, like it's funny because I don't. <laughs> like I don't, but I do, if that makes okay. sense. You know, it's the things you're interested in, right? Yeah. I'm not on, you know what I'm saying, CNN every day, just like watching. What I do, though, is what people don't know. I'd like to incorporate it more on my podcast is I'm, I'm pretty deep into the stock market. And the stock market is ultimately, I love sociology. And if you think about the stock market, stock market is essentially like a reflection yeah. of people's behaviors. That's what gets these stocks That's a record up and of down. their behaviors. Yeah. Even that, you, you know, know, it's all the, it's all the past. Exactly. But if you think about like Elon Musk, he went on Twitter yesterday saying, you know, basically, fuck California. I will move Tesla out of California if you don't allow us to reopen up our plants and whatnot. And then you see, obviously, the market is closed right now because it's the weekend. But Mm -hmm. I'm interested on Monday to see 
how Tesla moves, like if it moves up like it's not supposed to, or if it drops down substantially, even in the midst of this crisis, because people are reacting to what um, Elon Musk has been saying. So that's it's little things like that that yeah. made me think about it. And that's what got me talking about the thermal imaging uh, systems is because FLIR, um, they're, they're publicly owned mm -hmm. uh, or publicly traded company so you know just seeing like are they going to go up now seeing that you know they're about to have all these new contracts those those are little things you know what i'm saying that really interest me but ultimately man um you know it's like doing what you do right you listen to all the music you want to listen to whether because even if you love something at a certain point it does become a chore even if you love doing it you might love aspects of it but the editing or doing little things you know it becomes yeah. a chore but ultimately whether you wanted to listen to this music this week or you did it purely for the sake of um, recording this podcast um regardless of either of those, man, you know, you're digesting content that, you know, you'd like to digest and then you're talking about it. So that's when you sum it down, that that's you the know, same what process. it comes down to. It's literally the same, pro same process, same concept. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that also, which is very important during these times, it keeps me busy. You know, idle mind is the devil's playground, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I think the reason that we, I think the reason that we do our podcast or that we do our, or that we have created, you know, whatever uh, platform that we want to use or whatnot, uh, I think really does boil it down to the same kind of, you know, essential things. Um, mm -hmm. it, it comes from a place of this is what I want spoken about. I don't really hear this being spoken about the way that I want it to be um, or digested and spoken about in the way that, uh, you know, I would like to see it done. This is also a self-serving tool. So again, this is just a way for me to document my dedication to listening and digesting and reviewing music on a weekly basis. You know, it, it serves a, a self-purpose that I then can, um, you know, relate to other people with and whatnot. And I feel like, you know, we kind of got into what we got into for our own reasons, but in a lot of ways, you know, similar spirit. For sure. And what's interesting, man, is, you know, having this conversation is a little bit different than most is because we're talking, you know, one podcaster to another. Right. You know, right. and I will tell you doing and seeing what you've been doing is because you've been incredibly consistent over your time. And, you know, consistency might not mean every week or whatever, but, you know, you've been doing, you know, you've been putting out volumes, you know, you've been very yeah. episodic, you know, and I really respect that because I understand the grind and I understand the mental toll that, uh, that it takes, you know what I mean? To be able to consistently do something because that's literally the only difference between a successful person and someone who's not is a successful person. They just never stopped. You know, they just kept at it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, I really respect it, man. And I think that, you know, every now and then we do got to take a moment and really uh, pat ourselves on the back and, and realize where we have come because mm -hmm. don't forget. And this is what I like to tell everybody, man, don't forget because it was even a slap in the face for me. Uh, you all, we all have to start at episode one. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm on episode eight and that feels to me kind of like that people who don't know me, they're probably like, Oh, this dude's a rookie. Like he don't know what he's doing. He's still barely getting into it. But it's like, yeah, you forgot all the, you know, 30 other ones, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Hey, you listen or watch, you tell it's not your eighth episode. You feel me? I appreciate you, yeah. man. You know, but ultimately that's it. You know, it's just, uh, we all got to start at episode one, man. And when you look at the cast that inspired me, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Joe Rogan and not because of the cult following, but just because of like that man's dedication is unmatched. Oh, right. The consistency on, like, of the podcast too is, is incredible. Yeah. Dude's doing like 1500 episodes and does like, 
through because obviously lives have to be tailored for that, right? You have to make, that's like your job basically is you're there all the time doing it. And we don't have those same privileges because of financial circumstances or just where we are at in our current lives right now. But I look at the people who inspire me and I just say like, all right, bro, like you got to, you got to really think about this. And this is something I want you to ponder as well. Um, you probably don't know it, but there's probably a lot of people, you know, regardless of what your statistics say on your podcast, there's probably a lot of people who are looking at what you're doing are probably envious of what you're doing and probably think that, uh, you know, you're, you're an inspiration to them. You know what I mean? Like you inspire them by doing what you're doing, even though you might think it's very minuscule and and minor. And this is just what I, this is, I'm just doing a little podcast, man. You know, like we all say that, but we don't understand the magnitude and the impact it has on other people because from the podcast I've watched, man, people have changed my life 360 degrees, man, just off of people's wisdom. And they have no idea that they've impacted me in that way. And that's, what's beautiful about doing what we do, man, is that you never know who is going to like, you know, listen to what you got to say and run with it, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I think we should go ahead and wrap it up. It's been an excellent episode. I appreciate Sounds you good. wanting to come on and uh, talk a myriad of topics that we don't always get to cover on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I knew in bringing you here to this episode, you know, we could kind of get back to that and do something a little bit more um you know on the left hand side if you will uh of what we normally speak about and um yeah i just want to appreciate that i hope that you 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 sound like you're doing all right but i hope that things are well and um yeah i know it's kind of a crazy time but i'm definitely thinking about you and your ideology when it comes to like when everything starts going back to normal like you know, what that's going to normal, quote unquote, what that's Mm going to mean for us. I really have been thinking, you know, or trying to think in your lens uh, some more when I think about, you know, what the implications mean for us moving forward uh, in the city or just in general. Um, And uh, yeah, I want to I want to say that that speaks volumes of the content that you produce. uh, For sure. The fact that I can digest it and try to see it through your perspective. and And it helps me understand some things a little bit better. For sure, man. Well, hey, thank you for having me on the platform, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to speak on these different concepts, you know, that most platforms don't give people the opportunity to speak about. And I will say um, in regards to, you know, thinking from that lens, that's you just solidified the entire point of why I do what I do. It's to spark questions in people's brains. That's it. I don't have an answer for you. I just want to get you thinking. You know what I'm saying? So seeing that you've said that you stewing over a couple of things, man, that's literally I have accomplished my job. So um, I will say if it's OK, man, I'll do a couple plugs, please, people. Um, nice, if you want to, you know, think about things in a critical light, if you don't want to be an average Joe, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't want to be an average Joe and you would like to um, really try to just ponder over the intricacies and the abstractions in life, hit up the podcast. It's a Portland Free Thinkers Club. It's on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. It's on everything that you can imagine. My writing site is uh, www.dailydepository.com. My Instagram is at D496, and you could actually find everything at the Instagram. So you might as well go there. Might as well just hit the Instagram. Exactly. Hit the follow, share, all that. But Dev, man, thank you once again for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. It's kind of funny how Instagram has become like the central... So it's kind of become like your business card tool, you know, 
the like everybody right that there. someone would want to find about me, you would find on my Instagram first. You'd find my podcast. You find my YouTube. You find this. You find that. No, that was brilliant. Virtual business card. That was brilliant. That is what Instagram is. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. But yeah, man, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I appreciate you. Uh, we're gonna be dropping this episode tomorrow morning. Right now Sounds it's Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this up, edit it up, and then y'all are gonna be hearing it when you hear it. So. Sounds good, man. Well, peace and love, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one, man. Yeah, man. We'll we'll bring this guy back, all right? (laughs) Have a good one, dog. Yeah, take care, man. All right, peace.